in order to establish trust, I believe with this person, I need to be completely transparent. He asked about fiduciary responsibility. He asked about CFP standards. I mean, this, this person was prepared. He went into it like a detective looking for information so that he was checking the box of, okay, now we're, now I'm ready for the next question. And I'm now I'm ready for the next potential conversation after all of my trust issues have been checked off. That's James Chalmers, senior advisor at Mineta, sharing his experience with a distrusting prospect. In this conversation dissection, we'll explore how to proceed with empathy and detachment while being mindful of any red flags you may be feeling. You'll learn how to approach these challenging conversations and build trust with a prospect who may be a little bit more hesitant. Let's jump in. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. All right, James. So we chatted a little bit last week about a prospect that you've got in process right now. So just catch Dan up and our listeners up on what's going on with this prospect. What are you interested in trying to figure out with this one particularly? So I've met my match. This prospect is actually a referral from a current client and a client who we would consider at Mineta uh, to be a raving fan. And so this client, you know, he and I have gotten along for seven years and I feel like we've developed this, this great trusting partnership. And he referred one of his friends and the, the initial conversation was interesting. I say interesting because it gave me flashbacks from a prospect conversation that I had three years ago in my infancy lap and training. I'll, I'll give you the backstory here. So three or four years ago, I was the yes man. A prospect would, would approach, we would have a conversation and whatever that person said, he, she, I would always say, absolutely, we can do that. Yep, we got you covered. We can uh, help you. And I was not having the in-depth conversation that really what was what, what is taught in Lappin is the, the key phrase that has really changed my conversations is determining how and if we can help. And the biggest thing for you know my evolution as as someone in conversation is I was always good at conversation, but I was never good at asking questions and diving deep. You know, I was asking questions to get people to the next step. And the goal was to get folks, you know, from the first meeting to the second meeting to the third meeting. And yep, I can help. I'm listening kind of. So three or four years ago, what I would call a non-trusting prospect would a referral from a client, a, a good client. We'd have a general conversation and they would say, well, what can you do for me? Can you define what a non-trusting prospect is? So in the initial conversation, this prospect said, I have trust issues. I'm not willing to share all of my uh, goals and or financial data with you. Was this more of a meeting with a prospect or is this like a counseling session for them? He used the term general conversation. A little bit of trust issues. He, they held things tight to the chest. Absolutely. 
I knew that from day one and I did not get that from the prospect at all that there was any trust issues. I also got the sense that if I dug in in day one or in the initial conversation, I was going to be kind of cut off. He said something like, I'm not comfortable with discussing my income at this time or my net worth or my tax situation. We can build to that data or information over time. When he said that, do you remember what was going through your head? Red flags. Yeah, like what were you thinking and feeling at that point? I was thinking and feeling what I've experienced four years ago where someone had done this to me and I rushed them through the process and I was the yes guy, got him all the way to the paperwork's meeting, and then he bailed. And you thought this time, I'm not going down that road or? Yeah, no, to candid, candidly, Dan, I, I said, gosh, I hope this isn't a waste of time and I'm going to learn from my experiences and I'm going to he's interviewing me in this first discussion, but at the same time, I'm also interviewing him. So I kind of went back to the strategy of, I just asked a lot of questions. All right. So when he said that you felt that, uh Oh, here we go again. I don't want to go down that same road. I'm not making this same mistake. So you felt that. So once you felt it, what did you do? What course of action did you decide? Did you decide to take at that moment? I paused. I slowed down. I went back to my process and my training. And, you know, I think the psychology of decision making chart, the different phases that we've been through in our sessions was extremely helpful. What was your response then, though? He laid that on you. You had to have some kind of reaction or response toward him. You don't have to be verbatim, but do you remember what it was? What'd you say? I think I said something along the lines of, that's absolutely okay for you not to share in this initial discussion because we don't even know if we're a good fit yet. And and I really tried to lead in with abundance and detachment there. And And that was when I said that I took a step back, that's where I went back to my process and training because I remember previously it was, oh, no problem. We'll get that later. No problem. We'll get that later. And it was such a rushed, yeah, no worries. We know we can help. We'll get there, right? And this time it was slowing down, having high intent questions back to him of walk me through your experience of a financial advisory relationship before. Well, then that's when I found out he had never had one and that he doesn't really trust advisors. Did you have the opportunity to ask him why doesn't he trust advisors? What's been the experience or the background that's led him to that type of feeling and that attitude? I probably had the opportunity, but I didn't, besides the walk me through previous experiences with financials, I didn't capitalize on that opportunity the way I probably should have. Like I didn't dig deeper into the trust issues, mostly because my instinct and gut was telling me that it's like, hold on, we'll get there. It's just, I'm not ready yet to have those discussions. Are you talking about your feelings or what you think he was feeling? I was putting my assumptions into what he was feeling in the conversation. So just out of curiosity here, there's this, there's a, there's a gap, right? There's this, there needs to be a bridge. He's over here saying he doesn't trust you. He's not ready to talk about X, Y, and Z. All right. 
which is going to close him off to probably a lot of the questions that you might normally ask. You're over here going, okay, I get it, but I still need to figure out what's going on with this guy. Can I help him? Is he even open to help? What were some of the questions that you asked to bridge that? Yeah, I kind of described the process. I, you know, I said, well, it, it's it's difficult. You know, we don't want to rush you forward into divulging information that you're not comfortable sharing. When we go into a new relationship, we're also to deter- trying to determine, just like you are, if you you are a right fit for us. And I even said something in my follow up email to him. I said, we want to make sure just like you are, that we are aligning ourselves with folks that need and want our services for the long term. And and because I, I got the sense from him that he was, he asked questions to me of, well, what's your contract language look like? And what's your non-disclosure agreement? And who has access to my data? And so I answered those questions. This is actually not the first time I've gotten this question. Who on your team has access to all of my data? So I answered those questions with genuine honesty, because at this point, in order to establish trust, I believe with this person, I need to be completely transparent. He asked about fiduciary responsibility. He asked about CFP standards. I mean, this this person was prepared. He went into it like a detective looking for information so that he was checking the box of, okay, now I'm ready for the next question. And I'm now I'm ready for the next potential conversation after all of my trust issues have been checked off. In that first conversation, he obviously agreed to a second. Yes. What do you think it was in that first that made him start to trust a bit to go to a second, given how skeptical and cautious he was coming in? I think it's, I think I referenced my relationship with the current client. And I said something, I go, the best person to ask about the services we provide, because he asked what services we provide. And I said, the best person to ask about the experience of being one of our clients is the person who referred you. And we feel like we do a pretty good job, but I don't really know if we do a good job for all people. And so I said, I would have a conversation with that person following up with this discussion and he can describe what his experience is. And I tried to detach myself of, at this point, I said, I even said something like, we just aren't salespeople. We don't want to convince you to work with us. We are just having an open and honest conversation. And to me, if I was being candid, I think he felt that genuineness in the first conversation of, I'm going to lay whatever question you have, I'll lay it out on the table. And that's the truthful response from me. And if you've met me before, that's just how I am. After that first meeting, how did you feel? Like, how did you feel the meeting went? I felt like I answered his questions factually and truthfully. And I was very confident that he was going to set up another meeting. But in the back of my mind, my red flags and my emotional triggers were going off and saying, danger, danger. This is either going to be the best prospect ever or the worst prospect ever. That's what I was saying. And, and I had that volatility in my mind. So I thought it was good. But, it, but you know, I think I told you this, Kylie, is it, it, this is going to be the best relationship and long-term partnership that we're ever going to start, or this is going to uh, not go after, this will not move forward after two meetings, or maybe even one. And that's okay. 
so far I'm gathering you've had this happen in the past. Someone comes in very skeptical, very cautious, flat out tells you, hey, I'm not going to share much today. I need to learn about you. In the past, you might have panicked a bit. You might have said, oh, crap, what do I got to share? I better share some good stuff. Otherwise, I'm never going to get that second meeting. I'm never going to be able to advance this relationship. This time around, you were like, okay, not going to go there. Done it before. Doesn't work. Let me acknowledge where he's at and see if I can just work with him slowly here, answer some of his questions and still try to keep learning from him. And we'll see where this ends up. You summarize it perfectly. All right. So then you, you, you get to the second conversation. What's going on? How's his attitudes? Give a little lay of the land there. So he comes in with this time he has a little bit more trust. So we've built a little bit more and I can, I can sense that because he's giving me more information. So he's now, and it used it, the first discussion, he hasn't shared anything. Now he's shared, well, I have this amount of money to invest. I'd like to understand how you all would help me. And so I would define that as we're, we're, he's trying to help me understand what you can do for me. That's what he's asking. And so just to compare the old, I would say, this is what we do. We do family CFO. We do income tax planning. We do estate planning. And I would have immediately taken that hook and I would have run or swam. So what'd you do different? I said, I don't, we don't know how we can help or we're still trying to gauge if we're even a right fit. And I absolutely, I was prepared for that second conversation knowing that he was going to go into what's the scope of this relationship? What can you do for me? Prove to me, now that I think you're a little trustworthy, it's proved to me what you can do for me just because, I, I don't know, I, I, I just, I, that's the, pre the preparation I had made before the call. And so I started asking him questions about his role and his job and what gets him motivated and I used a lot of the future tense or the future futuristic uh, type questions, you know, tell me how you got into this role that you're in. And then, as, and he started talking through that, he was sharing more, but as soon as we got into figures, like how much do you make? How much do you think you can save? He said, I'm not comfortable sharing how much I make, but I could save a lot of money with the new financial situation that I'm in. So he made it seem at that time, at that point, this is the start of something much bigger that we hope that I, he's, you know, I, I'm speaking as him, that I hope to build on in the future. So he kind of is like testing me at this point as well. Like if you can earn my trust and we can continue this relationship, there's more out there that I, that I need help with. How did you feel when you heard him say that? My ego was hurt a little bit because I don't really like proving myself to anyone, again, red flags are going off. So to me, I, I, I was like, okay, we can do this. But I was pretty blunt with him during this conversation. I said, the last thing we want is to engage at this level of assets. And in three months, you know, you say, hey, this is not for me. I, I said, I would, I would view that as, a, as unsuccessful. Because the reason I said that is because he was asking questions like, well, if we engage, if I sign an engagement agreement and I decide a month later that this isn't right, what are there any fees and termination and contracts? I was okay with that because his, of his trust issues. 
So he's just trying to find facts and make sure that there's no long-term contracts that he can't get out of. But again, that, that, that's still raising red flags for me. When you were asking him questions about his job, his responsibilities, what he does, was there any change in energy, any change in body language or anything that you picked up? I wish I could see him in person, but this was a, both of them were phone calls and he couldn't do a video call, which I also thought, again, another red flag. I, I like to look at people, but then he mentioned something. So, so to answer your question directly, he was giving more information, but you could tell he was thinking about it before he said it. What, what information am I going to get? Okay. I'll answer this part, but he's very reserved. And he's very, I, would, I wouldn't say monotone, but he's pretty much very patient. He even said after, after this conversation that we just had, he said, I, I'm probably one of your most difficult new clients. When you were talking to him about your questions and you were trying to ask him about the future narrative, were you able to ask him about how is he going to measure success if he enters into a relationship with an advisor? Candidly, I did not ask the, the, how is he going to measure success? And if I were looking at hindsight, we should have dug into that deeper. So where, where are you now with it all? When he was asking me about contractual agreement and non-disclosures and privacy standards that we abide to and, you know, and all this fiduciary legal type language, I said, would it be helpful if we sent over a sample engagement agreement in an an, my ADV brochure? for you to review before we take the next steps. And so I sent that. And the language that I used was, you know, after your review, first, let me know if you have any clarifying questions that we can help dig into. And we won't, we won't move forward with, with more conversations or next steps until you fully reviewed these items. And that's where I left it. And I said, building trust and transparency is one of the keys to a successful long-term relationship. Is how I led the message. If I was in his shoes, what do I need to build to get that hurdle or gain conviction from that trust to take the next step or that leap of more conversation? Because I scratched the surface at some of the financial data and we're not there yet. The comprehending facts and connecting impact, we, we needed to slow down there, right? In the psychology of decision-making. I asked him factual questions and he's like, whoa, 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 slow down. And Kylie used it even better than I. It's like, you're trying to get, you're asking me marital questions and we need it. We need to, this is the second date, right? We need to, we need to go on the third, fourth, fifth, and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe we need to live together first before we get married. With this one, you just have to take it slow because he's definitely, he's coming from some, some places of skepticism. And to be fair, what I think was really cool about this was that you recognized the distrust that he had and you actually mirrored that and you had your own areas of distrust or your red flags that you pointed out. So you can empathize with him more than probably most other advisors. Well, and I, and I even told him that and I shared with him my feelings there. You know, I just said, I appreciate your understanding our perspective as well. You know, because we're we're in this together. Is we're building this relationship, this trust. I, and I don't know you as an advisor, right, James? I mean, your role isn't to convince him of something, correct? Correct. Your role is to get him thinking, maybe more objectively or broadly. 
because you're not you're not going to convince someone like this or really anybody to change who they are as they go through a decision process. But what you can do is help them think broader. What would have happened if you would have been able to ask him, hey, I understand you have some skepticism here and I can appreciate that. And this has to go at your pace. Again, I respect that. It's like, I want to ask the guy, when does your skepticism and your cautiousness pay off and and pay dividends for you? When does your skepticism and cautiousness sometimes get in the way though, hold you back? If I was a fly in the wall, I would have loved to ask him that question because the reality is, right? The answer is somewhere in the between. There's a sweet spot there. And that question gets him thinking about when is his skepticism counterproductive? Does that that make sense? Absolutely. If you get the chance to talk to him again, could that be something you're asking him? Especially if he's still in this, we'd be in our third discussion at that point. And if he wasn't in a place where I didn't feel like it was building, continuing to build, then I think I would even be bold to say, how do you think our first two conversations went? What would you, what would you like, or what, what would you see in vision happen in a perfect world for us to take the next steps? I wouldn't say it like that. When you add for us to take the next steps, what are you doing? You're assuming and you're making it about me. Yeah. You're not being objective. You're starting to guide and lead. And if he's already skeptical, he's going to pick up on that. What's he going to do? He's going to close back in. Yeah. So what's another way to ask that that's more objective and neutral? What do you envision next steps as being? Yeah. I might even add, look, take, take Mineta, take me out of this. What do you think your next steps are in general? I might do something like that with someone who's naturally or innately skeptical as he is. But I, I would want to ask him the thoughts that he has around when does his skepticism or cautiousness or extreme deliberateness, when is it a value and when does it pay dividends, but also when does it create obstacles and get in the way? When is it counterproductive? Because I'd like to see where he goes with that. The other question that keeps coming up, we already talked about it, is trying to help him see forward, whether it's two years, you think, James, or three or five, how will he measure the success of working you know, with an advisor and trying to encourage him to share or think through the details of that? Remember, don't make it about you. You, know, you can't ask him, hey, what do you think, if we work together, how would you define success five years from now? You got to ask them in a neutral way, which is, hey, let's pretend you're going to work with an advisor, whoever that might be. How are you going to measure success three or five years down the road of that relationship and the work that you're doing with that advisor? Yeah, I think that's excellent. How how do you turn into someone who is thinking about everything he's saying before he's saying it and giving you two, three, and then maybe a 10-word sentence? I do think that's hard. I think you have to encourage with empathy. In this instance, I might say, listen, I'm I'm not trying to lead you anywhere here. I fully understand that there's a strong likelihood that we don't work together. I get it. I'm just trying to help you decide if an advisor even makes sense for you. 
That's why I'm asking these questions. So it's almost like I'm going to double down on my neutrality and really try to make it about big picture for him. I think that's spot on taking yourself out of the equation because and doubling down you, your neutrality. I, I think that's that would be an excellent. I'm just thinking of how he would react to that. I think that's perfect. Yeah, but you're but you're spot on too, James. I mean, if he's giving you 10, 15 word answers, you have to at some point decide and when have you had enough? Not in a negative, not in a negative way, right? But when have you had enough where you're like either he's going to decide an, an advisor's worth his time and here are the reasons why, or he's going to decide an advisor's not worth his time and here are the reasons why. And to your earlier point, James, that's impact, right? That's that impact part of the conversation that you would be having with him. So what would your detachment thought be prior to having that discussion with him? What would be your thought process, though, that enables you to get to the detachment level needed to do what we just talked about? Candidly, this opportunity, it's not like a $50 million family office opportunity. So from a business standpoint, this isn't, if this person goes away, I won't remember in, in a month or two. Like I won't come, come back and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I lost that opportunity. So from a business standpoint, it's pretty easy to detach because we'd be building it over time. And if the person's not even willing to build or, or take the initial steps, then that person wasn't re ready for a relationship anyways. So what if James, he was the $50 million client? Absolutely making it not about me and making sure that I was there to help him come to a decision or to be able to think through whether hiring someone in the first place is even the right thing. I would, I would take it back to square one and say, listen, we've given you some data on who we are. I've actually shared all of my you know, fiduciary responsibilities slash standards, like making sure that I'm, you know, that I've met all my compliance agreements. But I think we need to go back to the beginning and say, are you ready to, to move forward with a financial advisor relationship, even if that wasn't me? Just because I don't, I don't want to check the boxes in this discussion. Another thing that I would say about my detachment is in the back of my mind, I'm still struggling with, if I see one or two more red flags, then I don't think this is a good fit for, for a long-term relationship. If he says one or two things about if the market goes down, then that's not successful, or, or uh, if he's not comfortable delegating, or if he's not you know, willing to share more information within a, a finite period of time, I don't think I'd be willing to move forward with another conversation at this time. Now I think you're cooking with fire. All right. So that is the detachment and the abundance and the high intent that you need because you're spot on. I think you you have a right if you talk again to even ask him, hey, listen, I, I want to ask you this straight out too. You know, I don't want to be looking over my shoulders all the time in this relationship. I know it's not about me. It's about serving you. But I also know it has to be a good trusting two-way relationship. And we both know the market's going to do crazy stuff. We both know that different trends are, are, are always going to be happening. And there's going to be different places you can leverage your spend and your investment money and all that. But at the same time, I don't want to sit here thinking that 
if something happens and something goes boom in the night, this relationship blows up because that's not healthy for either of us. So I, I like where you're heading on that one. What would you say to him to establish that? Let's pretend you could talk to him right now. What would you say to him to establish some fair trade in this one? I would share with him where my thoughts are at after our last two conversations and say, first, I fully understand and empathize with your having to build trust over time with someone because I'm the same way. And I think that as part of your questions, some of your questions are giving me some red flags. And I actually would even use those terms and say, you know, there's some things that other members of my team wouldn't move forward after hearing some of those things. But I, I actually believe in this person that he's genuinely just trying to understand our process and making sure that when he puts what he views as a, as a large sum of money into someone else's hands, that they're taking care of it the way he would take care of it. I would say that. You were speaking with conviction there and you had great empathy. That's what I would say. So what, what are the three things that we know that you're going to want to engage him on? We just talked about one and then we had two questions prior. Do you remember what they are? Yeah. So um, I think asking him directly, when does, when does his skepticism stop paying dividends and, and, and haltering growth? Right. And the key to that question is going to be using what? Empathy. Right. I mean, right, James, you don't want to sound like a dick, right? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I get it. Hey, when are you going to stop monkeying around and start making decisions, man? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So good there. What's the second one? 10, 15, 20 years from now, how do you measure success in a financial advisor relationship? Yeah. And he might give you a bullshit answer in the beginning. So what do you got to be prepared to do? Clarify and dig deeper. Yeah. You're going to have to encourage maybe dig deeper. Again, the key word in, in all of it will be use what? Empathy. Empathy. And then the, the third thing, right, that, that's a concern of yours and it's valid is what now? We just, we talked about it. Well, I think I need to go in with detachment, but I, I think I need to direct a question to him that says, before we move forward with any com additional conversation, I think you need to be comfortable with delegating or trusting and delegating responsibilities to someone who has your best interest. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode? <laughs>